Welcome to the Retirement Made Easy podcast, a show created to be your go-to source for straightforward retirement advice. Best of all, it is presented in a language that you can understand. Are you ready for some straight talk on retirement planning without all the fluff? Well, you found the right podcast. Here's your host, certified financial planner, Greg Gonzalez. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Retirement Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Greg Gonzalez. Thanks for joining me today. This episode is going to be released after Thanksgiving, so I hope everybody had a wonderful and happy Thanksgiving. On today's episode, I kind of wanted to have a discussion on the state of the economy a little bit. We've been getting a lot of questions at my office, at my firm, St. Louis Retirement Advisors, and a lot of the questions we've been getting have been focused on concerns about a recession next year high interest rates, some of the highest interest rates we've had in decades. And certainly this year has been challenging for a lot of people. It's a great time to update your current retirement plan that you have in place, just like you want to do at the end of the year, if at all possible. We now know what Social Security, the cost of living is going to be going up in 2024. Same thing with Medicare Part B premiums. We know now what those are going to go up to. In 2024, the IRS has released the tax tables for 2024, so we can do some forward-looking tax planning as well. But as far as today's episode, I did want to give everybody, hopefully it'll be helpful or valuable, kind of an update on the economy and whether we're headed in a recession or not. So that's going to be the primary focus of today's episode and what that might mean for the stock market moving forward. If you're a new listener of the podcast, you can check out my website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. It's a great place to submit your questions. You can listen to all previous Retirement Made Easy episodes. You can sign up for a free retirement coaching session with yours truly right there on the website. So again, check that out, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com and check out the resources tab. A lot of listeners have been able to download the free resources we have for people that are available and we'll continue to add to those. That's one of my goals this year and for 2024 is to add some additional resources to the website. So keep checking back on that. All right, let's jump into today's episode talking about this recession that we've been hearing about. All these different experts are saying a recession is coming in 2024. What's that going to do to my retirement portfolio, my retirement plan? What is the stock market going to do next year? These are all the questions that I've been getting from not only Retirement Made Easy podcast listeners, but also clients that I work with on a personal level. So first off, let's define what a recession actually is. A lot of people say, oh, recession, that means the economy is going south. But how do we measure that? Well, the experts will measure that by saying, okay, two consecutive quarters of negative growth for the economy. And how do we measure the output? For the economy, it's what we call gross domestic product. And I'm not going to get very, very technical here, but it's basically consumption, people spending money, durable goods, non-durable goods, services. And that's the biggest component is consumption. People going out there and buying a fridge or buying a washer and dryer, buying a new vehicle, whatever it is. And so that's the biggest 60 to 70%, generally speaking, is consumption. People out there going out to eat and buying services, things like that. Then you have government spending is another component. And then you have investment in capital equipment and housing. And then the last component is exports minus imports. Obviously, net exports, so meaning what we're exporting 
And what we are selling to other countries, whether it's Canada or Mexico or Europe or Asia or whatever it is, exports or exporting goods versus importing goods in from other countries. And so that's what GDP is. So we're looking for an economy that's booming, that's growing, that's expanding. And so this last quarter, it was kind of a surprise. The economy in the third quarter of 2023 expanded or grew 4.9%. And again, when you talk about the definition of a recession, well, that means two consecutive quarters of negative growth of the economy shrinking. Well, the third quarter, it grew by 4.9%. So a lot of the naysayers that said, hey, we're going into recession, you're going to see the negative growth. Well, they were wrong. Now, I don't know what fourth quarter of 2023 will, will be. We don't know what the GDP growth will be. We don't know what the first quarter of 2024, they could both be negative. And by the end of the first quarter in 2024, we could hear that we're in a recession. But if third quarter is any indication, a recession is not on the horizon. And I think when people hear recession, though, they think, okay, that means that the stock market is going to be step by step. In other words, if we're in a recession and the economy is shrinking, well, the stock market is going to shrink by the same amount. So recessions are certainly not good for the stock market. But actually, I did quite a bit of research. And if you're interested, you can look this up on your own. Maybe I'll have a link in the show notes where there's a lot of studies out there that look back and show that in the months leading up to a recession, the stock market does worse than the stock market does actually once you're in a recession. And then coming out of a recession, obviously, the economy is growing, it's picking up pace, the economy and the stock market do best in that season. I find that really, really interesting that it's leading up going into a recession. That's when the stock market actually does the worst. So I am not making any predictions here whether we're headed for a recession or not. That's not my job. But all these self-appointed experts out there that will tell you, yes, we are headed for a recession. But what I can tell you is I don't have a crystal ball. But this last quarter doesn't indicate that we are on the verge of a recession. Now, one thing that is interesting, I was kind of just looking at the market the last three and a half weeks or so. So from if you look at the S&P 500 and you can do so and I can tell you about it, what actually has happened or transpired in the last three and a half weeks is if you look at the price of the S&P 500 on October the 27th, and I'm recording this on November the 22nd, so about three and a half weeks, not quite a month, and that amount of time, the S&P 500, which is a good relative gauge for the United States, the U.S. domestic stock market, in that amount of time, in three and a half weeks, the market has gone up 10.9% in three and a half weeks. And if you have listened to this podcast for any length of time, I have told people that, hey, they don't ring a bell at the top of the market. They don't ring a bell at the bottom when the market bottoms out. And so for these people that try to time the market, it's impossible. Because in the blink of an eye, in three and a half weeks, it can be down in the dumps October 27th, and then you blink and three and a half weeks has gone by, and all of a sudden it's up almost 11% in a very, very short amount of time. And so you just can't time it because it bounces so quick. And with my career being a retirement planner, 
I get to talk to a lot of people, and I have had conversations with dozens and dozens of people, some of them podcast listeners, some people watch our Retirement Made Easy TV show, some of them came to seminars that I've done in the past that are focused on retirement planning, all kinds of different ways where I get to interact with people that are looking for help with retirement planning. And I would say one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make over and over again is trying to time the market or trying to dip in and out of the market and trying to say, okay, this month I'm going to be invested, fully invested. And then next week I'm going to get scared, whether it's into the war going on with Russia and Ukraine or Israel and Hamas or the people that panicked during the COVID pandemic when in a very short amount of time, the market dropped like a sack of rocks and many, many people panicked, which is not a strategy. Panicking is never a long-term strategy. And by doing so, they made temporary paper losses. They made those temporary paper losses permanent by selling their long-term investments and going to money market or cash or something like that. And on the flip side, we have clients that we work with, and I speak with retirees and pre-retirees that have successful plans. They've done very, very well. And the commonality of all those people is that they're operating off of a long-term plan. And all the decisions they make are not impacted by the short-term noise. There's so much noise out there. Next year, we've got a big presidential election. And all of the noise that we hear, whether it's a government shutdown, whether it's a United Auto Workers strike and contract negotiations that go along with that, did you hear we've got a new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson? And all of these different events are going to come and go. And whether it's a natural disaster like a horrible hurricane, there's always going to be something. And again, if I have learned anything over the years, and I'm a lifelong learner, and I'm going to continue to learn more year in and year out, but one of the things, like I said, I've learned from those successful people that I've talked to, not only clients, but also people that I interact with about retirement planning, it's that they're focused on the long term. They're not worried about the next 100-point swing in the market. Rather, they're focused on the next 10,000 point gain in the market and being able to take advantage of that. And with that thought, I will mention I've never seen someone who was a pessimistic investor be successful. It's sort of like if you ever met a business owner that was pessimistic and they started a restaurant, well, chances are that restaurant, it's hard enough to be an owner and operator of any restaurant. But when you're a pessimist and you've got a bad attitude and a bad outlook on it on the future, you really can't be surprised in that case when the outcome is not a positive outcome. And it's the exact same thing with investing for a successful retirement. You got to have a positive outlook, be optimistic and have a plan that is prudent, forward-looking, and is customized or personalized to your retirement vision. Okay, I wanted to kind of switch gears here because I've had the same question a couple different times in the past couple weeks here, and that is in regards to contributions for Roth IRAs and Roth 401ks. So it was announced just recently that in 2024, those people that are 50 and over, which is probably the majority of our podcast listeners, for 2024, the contribution limit 
will be $8,000. It will go up 500 bucks. So if you were contributing to a Roth IRA and were eligible to and over age 50, you could contribute $7,500. Again, that's going up 500 bucks. So in 2024, the new contribution limit will be $8,000. The same holds true for Roth 401ks. Instead of for those people that are over age 50, the contribution limit for 401ks was $30,000 in 2023, it is going up to $30,500 for 2024. And the question that I keep getting over and over, and it is kind of confusing, a Roth IRA versus a Roth 401k, Roth IRAs, they are income-based. So you have to be eligible from an income perspective, and it's different whether you file single or married filing jointly, for example. So you want to make sure that you're under the limit. So if you make too much money, they don't allow you to contribute to a Roth IRA. And those people, some of them look at a backdoor Roth IRA. However, with Roth 401ks, if you have that available to you through your employer, there are no income stipulations. You can make as much money as you want and still contribute to a Roth 401k. There's no income considerations. It does not prevent anyone from contributing based on your income. Again, Roth IRAs, they do have income restrictions that you need to be aware of. Check with your financial planner and your tax advisor to make sure that you are eligible to be contributing. And I do have clients that are maxing out both their Roth 401k in 2023. Again, for someone over 50, that's $30,000. And then they're also maxing out their Roth IRA, which is again in 2023, it's $7,500 for the year for someone over 50. So you can, of course, do both. And contributing to one does not limit you from contributing to the other. So in other words, I had someone that said, okay, if I contribute $7,500 a year to my Roth IRA, that means I can only contribute $22,500 to my Roth 401k. And that's not the case. One does not reduce your maximum contribution to the other. So literally, you can put away $30,000 to your Roth 401k and then turn around and put $7,500 in your Roth IRA. But the key point is you need income. You need earned income to contribute to both the Roth IRA and the Roth 401k. And for those people that may have a spouse that's already retired or maybe a spouse that's a homemaker, don't forget about the spousal IRAs and spousal Roth IRAs. With one spouse, if it's a single income household, it does, that spouse is able to contribute to an IRA, Roth IRA on their own. But keep in mind, there are some income restrictions with those IRAs, spousal IRAs and spousal Roth IRAs. So make sure you're paying attention to those. And here's just kind of one side note. Let's just think about this kind of conceptually. As far as the income restrictions for Roth IRA eligibility, I'm not so sure I personally agree with them. Let's take somebody that's making a half a million dollars. Well, they are ineligible to contribute to a Roth IRA, but the limit for someone over 50 is $7,500 a year. And if you're making half a million dollars and you're a high income individual, well, guess what? I mean, what percentage is $7,500 divided of your half a million dollars of earned income? Well, it's one and a half percent. So, oh, if we're going to really restrict this person from putting away $7,500 
out of the $500,000 that they earned, what are we really doing here? And I realized, yes, that might be over somebody's lifetime of being able to contribute to the Roth and these income limitations or restrictions for the higher income people are in place to prevent, I guess, the wealthier or higher income people from being able to put dollars paying taxes now and having those dollars in a Roth IRA where they grow tax-free forever. They don't want, again, higher income people to be able to do that. But my question is, is for somebody over 50, it's $7,500 a year. I mean, is that really moving the needle from the IRS's standpoint when this person has the ability to do a backdoor Roth IRA and accomplish the same thing as if that the income restrictions weren't even on the table? So- I guess that's one thing I've always thought about and always wondered. I just don't agree with having those income limits in place for Roth IRAs. Or if you're going to do that, then say, okay, if we're going to have income limitations in place for Roth IRAs, we're going to have income limitations in place for Roth 401ks, the same exact income stipulations. We're not going to have one different than the other. But I've had a lot of people ask about that. Why are the rules different? Well, there was something that was called the Employee Retirement Income Security Act. It's called ERISA. And so it was put into place in order to protect Americans' retirement savings plans. So think like 401ks and 403bs. So most employer-sponsored retirement plans fall under ERISA. And Roth IRAs are not offered through an employer. They're something you set up on your own, and therefore they're not covered under ERISA. And so the rules are going to be completely different. It's a different governing body. But the rules with some of these 401ks are just as bad. For example, I have a few clients that are pre-retirees. They're still saving for retirement. We're updating their plans and making the necessary adjustments as we go. And a couple of these people are not allowed to contribute the $30,000, the maximum contribution limit to their 401k, like everyone else. Well, why is that? Well, they are a part of a 401k plan, which is governed by ERISA. And based on the rules and stipulations of the plan that they're contributing to through their companies, they are considered highly compensated employees. And therefore, there's restrictions on how much money they can contribute to the plan. So this is another example of what I'm talking about, where you have to really customize your game plan. And I'm thinking of this one client in particular. He made $2,000 now above this income threshold. And now he's being told, now you can't contribute as much money to your 401k and you're going to have to invest it elsewhere. I mean, imagine being told, hey, we have an earnings test at this company and you make too much money according to this test and therefore we're going to penalize you and you cannot contribute as much money as you did last year to your 401k because you now made too much money. And I want to stress that this earnings test, this will not apply to all companies, all 401ks. Like I said, I do have a handful of clients that do fall in this category and they are limited based on their earnings of how much they can contribute to their 401k plans through work because they're being told they are a highly compensated employee. So we just got to pivot. We got to pivot their game plan for retirement and just adjust your strategy. So I hope this episode of the Retirement Made Easy podcast has been helpful. If you have questions, go to my website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. On the next episode, we're going to be doing another favorite episodes from listeners and the feedback that I get. It's going to be your listener questions. It's going to be fun for the month of December. 
It'll be a great way to wrap up the year with some listener questions. So, hey, go to my website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com, submit your question, and we may use it on the next episode of the Retirement Made Easy Podcast. I'll see you next time. Remember, always dream big. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, please consult your attorney, tax advisor, or financial advisor prior to investing. This is a hypothetical example and is not representative of any specific investment. Your results may vary. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices mentioned are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. The SmartVestor program is a directory of investment professionals. Neither Dave Ramsey nor SmartVestor are affiliates of St. Louis Retirement Advisors or LPL Financial. There is no guarantee that a diversified portfolio will enhance overall returns or outperform a non-diversified portfolio. Diversification does not protect against market risk. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, Memra FINRA, SIPC. Thank you for listening to the show today. Check us out at our website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. And if you want some help from Greg, submit your questions at the bottom of the page or sign up for a 30-minute retirement coaching session with Greg. We'll see you next week.